live ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to Hoist the Colors on this Monday, December 18th edition of the show. We are a week away from Christmas, so this will be our last week of shows until Christmas week. We'll take that week off. We'll take New Year's Day off. We will be back the January 2nd, 2024 edition of the show, but we got this whole week to get it in first. Obviously, a lot of big football recruiting news to get to in the coming days. Uh, we'll have signing day on Wednesday. We'll have a uh, show then. We'll have Bobby Harward in studio tomorrow to talk about many transfer additions for the Pirate football team. Today, though, we are talking East Carolina baseball. Last week we had Austin Knight, the pitching coach, in. Now we've got associate head coach Jeff Palumbo in studio. Jeff, how's it going? Doing, going great. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, Coach. And uh, we were talking about it before, man. Going into year 10 of the Cliff Godwin era, you and what, Blake Hardigree? Have Blake. been here since the beginning? Not Blake. 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 Blake, I think he's on year five now. So, okay. yeah, so Cliff and I are... are uh, I thought he came in... Maybe he just does so much. I he does. Like. Yeah, everybody yeah, everybody probably feels like they've known Blake forever, man. Right. He's so good at what he does and and uh, developing relationships with, with our fan base and just taking care of the guys. He really really does it all, man. But, uh, but yeah, he, he joined us about halfway through and, and uh, obviously an incredible addition to the staff. So just you and Cliff then? Going Cliff and I, that's it. That's we're, crazy, we're, man. Been, been rolling and... Yeah, it's uh, gone gone quick for sure. It's been been a quick run. It's uh, it's insane thing about and you guys have accomplished so much. And obviously, Coach Godwin gets a lot of credit. He's the head coach. I always say you maybe don't get as much credit as you deserve, Coach. But you know, I guess you go back to year one when y'all when y'all took this thing over. Can you even compare it to what it is now? I mean, I know y'all still do a lot of the same things, but like how far it's come, how far this program, the vision y'all had then to to what it has become now. How would you kind of put that into words? Yeah, it's tough to put into words for sure. I mean, I think day one, you just, you, you, you know, Cliff gets hired, asked, asked me to join with him, and, and I knew what East Carolina was about just strictly through playing against East Carolina, you know, back in the, in the CAA when, when, uh, when, when Cliff was in his last year playing. I was a freshman at George Mason and coming in here watching the jungle in action and, and, uh, coming back and playing, you know, in, in, at VCU when I was coaching and coming back here some more and just seeing the growth of the program, the growth of the university. And then getting that opportunity to come here and be a part of it, it was, um, you know, you uh, there's certain spots you, you think, hey, it'd be it'd be pretty neat to be a part of that and to, to have it all kind of fall into place. And and so, but year one, you're really just trying to learn the guys, right? You're trying to get yourself it just it, personal things, uh, getting settled, right, with a family, but uh, just trying to figure out where the program wants. And I think e- even uh, Cliffs vision right day to day on how we're going to run the program i think has developed over the decade you you know but i think when you get in you're just trying to turn it over as quick as you can and you know be around the guys as much you can get to know those guys and add to it in recruiting and over over time i think once we got our feet underneath us a little bit um and and you know with with cliff also being his first time as a head coach i think it's normal to have to kind of learn on the fly a little bit there as well and and uh, then you start to fine-tune really that vision and uh, I, I think our consistency here over really the last six seven years um, you, you started to see that vision uh, kind of show up each and every day and I think that's why we've been so consistent over 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 time and it's so hard coach to to maintain that level of success you know winning four 
regular season conference championships in a row. I mean, that is not easy to do. You have a target on your back. You'll have a target on your back again this year. And and I, I don't know, do you have to coach them even harder in the fall when you're coming off you know, consistent success to, to kind of keep that mentality going? Or is it to the point now where that's just the standard and the players kind of take it themselves? Yeah, I think you have to maintain it. I think each team's different, right? And I think that's as a coach or coaching staff, I think that's the part that, you know, Cliff does an awesome job with is, is just reevaluating each year. Okay. Who, who are going to be the guys that continue, um, that you lean on as a coach to continue to, you know, implement on a daily basis the things that you want, right? That culture that, that people always talk about, that, that comes from the people within the program. And each and every year, that's going to, going to change who they are, how the, fit, the, the pieces fit together. And, uh, that coach does an awesome job of just making sure he evaluates those guys and you continue to develop new leaders, right? It's, it's, it's not they're in the program, therefore they're the leaders. You have to continue to cultivate that throughout their career here. And you see that growth over time. And even during the course of a season, you see it emerge, you know, and, and so I think coach does a great job of that and then you're trying to pull in those young guys and then from there the program just it's kind of that snowball effect where as young players you see what great leadership is and uh, not all of them but some of them strive to be that as their careers come along so um, you know coach does an awesome job with that but you got to keep cultivating that over time and I think each and every year it's a new team and and uh, you have to figure out how to go about doing that to, to, to make that team successful. All right, so 10 years and long time prior to that with Cliff Goblin. So what's the like working with him on a daily basis? Do you, you know, do you ever like bicker or get into these like arguments? I mean, you, I don't know. When you're around somebody, are you almost like brothers at some point? You kind of like go back and forth a little bit? <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, it's different, right? Cliff and I were together as assistants at UCF. And that's where the relationship started. And, you know, as assistants, you have a, a certain relationship, right, where you're working together. You're trying to figure out, okay, um, you know, at that point, he's the recruiting coordinator. And I'm, I'm taking um, – I'm just – I'm young at that point, right? And I'm learning he's been at LSU. He's been at Notre Dame. They've been, you know, in Omaha and all these all these things that you aspire to be a part of as a young coach. And, um, and so I'm learning from him and, and trying to just – be a piece of the puzzle, right? To assist in that way. And, um, you know, we, we obviously were able to get that program back, you know, kind of on the national scene. And, and, uh, after our three years there and he goes off to Ole Miss, I go to, to VCU at that point and really just want to try to take the things that I've learned from coach Rooney and, and, and coach Godwin at that point and kind of put them into play, right? See if, if, uh, you know, we could implement some of those things and, and see if we could have success at VCU. And, you know, three years later, he, he, he calls me and now it's different, right? Now he's the head coach and, you know, it's, it's, uh, maybe I thought I knew, you know, how, how things would go on a day to day basis, but I really then, you know, he's a first time head coach and kind of getting back to our initial, initial discussion, you know, I think it took us some time to figure out him exactly. It really took me time to figure out exactly how he was going to run this program day to day. Then my job, right, is to go out and find players that are going to fit his personality as a head coach, his right day to day operations of the program, because you want to bring in kids that are going to fit into his mentality, right? And I think our first year looking back on it, that initial class, it was more about just trying to go find talented players. And maybe they weren't all, all the best fit for what we were going to do day to day. Well, but to that point, uh, being completely transparent, I didn't know necessarily right. what day to day was going to be. So you learn as as a as a coaching staff, and uh, as I said, I think we fine tune that over time. But sure, you know, obviously you have situations that come up, and I think all healthy, good coaching staffs are going to have that because if you uh, you know are going to have success at your job in, in any coaching capacity, 
you have to have opinions. Now you got to be willing to work together. You got to understand who's who's the boss and and when the, the time to to back off is. But I think you bring you know uh, with our with our staff now currently have so many bright young coaches that they're bringing opinions all the time, right? And different different views and different things and. Cliff and I have been here, have have experience on what works here at our place, what works at this level, and you you try to keep uh, chipping away at, at the ultimate goal and making some small adjustments here and there. But with that, certainly come hard discussions and get together as a group. And I think any any good coach, you're going to have that on that staff. We had Austin Knights in, and uh, you know last week I, I kind of asked him. He had played at Ole Miss, and I was like, how important is it to still be at a place where baseball is important to the community? And, you know, I always see you and your your children out there playing baseball after the games, after the home games when I'm writing in the press box and the outfield grass. So, you know, I know that being at a spot where baseball matters is important for you guys. So just from your day-to-day job, how much more enjoyable does that make it when you see kind of the passion of the fan base and, and how much baseball matters to Greenville? Yeah, I think um, it's it's again hard to measure, uh, but when you feel it and you know it, and you've been at other 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 spots where that's not the case, um, at least for me personally, you latch onto that, you know, and, and to have the opportunity to get three three young ones that. Um, if if you could just hear the discussions of my oldest and uh you know as as he talks about athletics and different things across the country and you know how he talks about the pirates and and um they've grown up that this is all they know and 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 just to have the community and the investment into what our guys are doing and the way they pour into it um there there's no substitute and uh, we we don't I don't take that lightly um you know each and every day man you just look forward to opening day and getting to the season and um the the main reason is yes the competition Yes, our guys and what our ultimate goals are, but the reality is just to experience uh, being out there again on the field and, and having the packed stadium with this this passionate fan base is uh, there's uh, not much better for sure when you do what we do. I've asked you this in the past too, Coach, and you've had other opportunities to, to maybe become a head coach at other programs across the country. I'm guessing part of the, the answer you just gave plays a role in you staying here. But what has you know kept you here at ECU in this role, where I'm sure your family's happy, versus maybe trying to pursue that other opportunity as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you know, as as we've talked about before, it's there's a lot of layers to it. There's certainly the personal ones, which we just touched on, and, and the community here, and uh, the relationships, right? And and when I when I get into recruiting, it's interesting, right? When you get into recruiting and you're talking with with players, there's a lot of things that we touch on. Uh, but what I always come back to is. You know, make sure, and I, I tell every recruit this, it's about the people you're going to be around. And if the people you're going to be around are people you want to be around every single day, whether that's the coaching staff, the, the, the players, if they're like you, if they're of the same mindset, th- those are, you're going to enjoy your experience. And, uh, it's the same when I show up at work every single day with, with guys that I care about and we're, we're, we're working together and, um, we have a goal in mind that we're trying to achieve. Um, there, there's, there's not a lot better when you're around good, good guys. Man in the office, so we have that. We had a great group of, of people, and, and Cliff's done an unbelievable job of, of uh, assembling a staff that is uh, young and, and talented and really good at what they do. And they keep us young, so it's a lot of fun to uh, to hang out with those guys. But um, certainly want to be a head coach at, at some point in time in my career. There's no doubt about it. Uh, again, a decade ago, we set some goals here that we we've not um, been able to to achieve. So that's that's a piece of the puzzle, but uh, you, you kind of add it all up. It just hasn't been the right situation, which, um, quite honestly, I'm, I'm 
I'm certainly good with and, and uh, just enjoying the uh, continue to enjoy the time here. But um, at the same time, knowing that uh, we got a lot of work to do and continuing to try to try to reach those goals of uh, as as my son says when I say get to Omaha, he goes no win in Omaha. <laughs> so that's that's the goal. <laughs> He's uh, he's a smart kid. That's right. That, no, right. No doubt about it. He always is sure to, sure to add that piece in. So, yeah, no doubt. We're there. We might as well win it. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, you guys coming off the fall, Coach, and I was out there. Got, got a chance to make it out there a little bit more than normal, and I thought very healthy competition, even with a lot of new guys coming in. I did see the Clemson scrimmage, which I know wasn't the best, but uh, you guys bounced back, played uh, much better at Virginia, and it kind of felt like from the fall perspective, y'all did improve pretty much incrementally throughout the fall. So how would you kind of assess the fall and where you guys are there? Yeah, I, I always think the fall for me is, is interesting, right? Because a lot of those scrimmages take places at different times. And, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a coach, you're always you're trying to build, right? You're trying to build up these guys and continue to see their growth and put them in situations where they um, are going to have some adversity, but they're also going to be able to, to build on that and, and be in a good spot and continue to progress here into this, this time time period before the, the preseason. But, um, you know, the fall for me is, is to get in, get, get, uh, get a feel of where the players are where the pieces fit, but really improve them individually, right? And try to try to figure out what does this particular player going to bring to the table and what can we continue to do over the next couple of weeks to get them prepared for uh, for what February will bring. So we still have a little bit of time with the preseason, but overall I thought we came out of the fall, you know, fairly fit. We will be healthy. You know, we had a couple injuries there on the back end of it, but we will be healthy, you know, when the guys get in. I think a really good glimpse of, of where some of the young guys are, some of the new transfers are. Um, you know, and, and quite honestly, we have a lot of depth, especially on, on the positioner player side, that I think some things will still have to work themselves out over the next three weeks in the preseason once we get going. So it's uh, gonna be gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it, but I feel very confident with with the group of guys. And, and um, I know Cliff and, and and AK probably probably touched on it, but um, I'm just excited to get it rolling because I think we're, we're talented and, and uh, deep and um, really uh, really talented on the front end of the rotation. So. Uh, when you have some of those things in, in in place going into a season, that'll make you feel good as a coach for sure. He is associate head coach Jeff Palumbo in studio with us today. We are live on YouTube, Facebook. Get us a question there. We got questions on hoist the colors as well. We'll get to over the next hour. Let's get our first break in. We'll come back. We'll get into some of that discussion with Jeff Palumbo. This is hoist the colors on a Monday. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is hoist the colors radio with Stephen Igo. Ah! All right, welcome back in studio on this Monday, Hoist the Colors, talking baseball with Coach Jeff Palumbo. He's been at ECU the entire time. Cliff Godwin was here. So before we get into some of these questions, when Cliff got the job, Jeff, how how quickly – was he? Do you know if you were his first call? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. they asked? Yeah, I like. I like to think so. He is. He is. He said so. So yeah, he I, 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 I believe him. He's right. my boss. So I, I believe him. I do. I do think I heard that phrase um, a couple times. So okay. we'll, we'll roll with that. Okay, we'll roll with that. We'll, <laughs> we may have to check the phone records one day. And ask Cliff next time yeah. he's in here. But I think so. Fair enough. Oh, man, it's crazy. Just all the success you guys have had, and still, uh, still very hungry to keep it rolling here. At East Carolina. Uh, Coach, we'll get into some of these questions on hoistedcolors.net. Again, we are live on uh, YouTube and Facebook as well. If you guys got questions there, we'll get to them over the next hour. All right. So uh, first off, before we dive into this, too, I, w- I want to 
clarify your your role. Obviously, you're the associate coach, but you're the recruiting coordinator. You work with the infielders and the base runners as well. Infielder, base runners, bunners, uh, yeah, pretty much, and then you know just help those guys out uh, with, with hitting whenever they need anything. Perfect. So you're doing pretty much a, a lot of stuff. Yeah, kind of oversee the team defense a little right. bit, you know. So all those things. Okay. All right. So uh, a poster on hoist the colors wants to know. And again, this will be kind of a little bit of everything, which is, you know, it's pirate fans, their mm-hmm. passion. They will know, they will know of all the new players in the program. Has anybody impressed you the most so far? Is there, you know, a group of players, uh, there that are, that are, that are new to the program that have impressed you through a fall? Yeah, for sure. I, I think some of, some of the guys that had maybe sh- the strongest falls with the new guys would, would, uh, be Chaz Myers, right? Transfer, uh, from Pacific, uh, came in, battled a little bit of injuries throughout the the fall which limited him being on the field defensively but at the plate um really had had a ton of success honestly right right from the beginning um and performed really well showed some power uh obviously you know for all all the all the fans out there i know um the the left-handed lineup last year was something that was was talked about a whole lot Chaz obviously being a right-handed hitter brings some thump to the lineup and and uh, but had a really nice really nice fall bristol carter i thought really emerged as the fall came on center fielder fresh Freshman uh, outfielder played really well, uh, especially UVA had had a uh, really nice day at UVA against obviously some some high level high level arms. So that was uh, really good to see. I thought defensively he really emerged in center field and and uh, Riley Johnson uh, I thought really did a nice job helping him out. He you know Riley was injured throughout the fall but really took a lot of time with Bristol and, and worked with him. You know as we talked about that culture piece right, kind of filtering down. It was cool to see. Riley kind of take him under his wing and and bring bring Bristol along. So did did a great job with that uh, on, on the mound. I say Ethan Norby, uh, although he had a tough outing at UVA. I thought had some really nice outings throughout. Um, through led our team in innings pitched in the fall. So we got a ton of experience pitched in both the Clemson and UVA series. So or, or uh, games. So you know I think those those are the guys that kind of kind of jump out at me initially. A lot of other guys. Had solid falls and did some really really good things. I thought those guys kind of start to finish, uh, probably put together some of the better better uh, better fall fall seasons. Uh, he also wants to know is it possible this year, uh, coach, that we see maybe more platooning at certain positions? Uh, it seems like depth is in great supplies. His comment as far as you know, position players rotating them in and out based off matchups, that sort of thing. Yeah, I would say more so than more so than uh, than ever on the positional player side. We have a lot of depth at, at multiple positions, and, and anybody that follows the program closely knows we're going to play a lot of guys. You know, and, and platoon is an interesting term, right? That that can mean some different things to some different people. Um, you know, and, and the college season is not maybe quite as long as maybe a, a big league season, where it's easy to kind of read into those platoons over time. So, you know, with, with injuries and, and with some different things, we're going to have some depth. And, you know, Coach Godwin loves to use guys off the bench and use them in different roles. And I think you'll see that probably more. Um, and, and I would say, quite honestly, we probably do that more than most anyways. But but you'll, you'll see that ability um, to do those things. and uh, and But really match up maybe even better, right? So depending on what the situation calls for, I think we'll be deeper to where maybe in one 
one specific situation. It's, um, hey, he's going to come in and, and you're going to have a pinch hitter off the bench. Well, now we're going to have another guy that can go in and, and run for him the second he hits the double. And then it may be a, a, a defender, right, that can then take his his spot if we, we take the, the, the lead. So I think just a little bit more flexibility for Coach Layton in baseball games. But that could turn into platooning as well. And, and we, have a guy, we have some guys that can play multiple positions, whether it be a Carter Cunningham that can play first base. He can play all three outfield positions. So, um, you know, and a, a really talented group of freshman position players as well that um, are kind of waiting in the wings that you just you never know how those things are going to play out over time. And we've seen that in the past with, with J.C., right, his freshman year throughout the fall. Really uh, not maybe a player that you felt like you had this huge vision for come springtime. And over the November, December, January, February months just emerged and matured and got physically stronger and all of a sudden gets opportunities against UNC in that second weekend and the the rest is kind of history. So, you know, things continue to evolve and change, uh, but I do think that there's a lot more depth and flexibility for coach here later in the game. We'll talk about the, you know, we'll go ahead and have the left lefty conversation because I know we got some questions about it, coach. For sure. We asked Cliff Godwin about it last year a whole bunch. We can ask you about it now. Uh, and it's not like y'all did it by design where y'all want to say, hey, we want to have eight, nine left-handed hitters, but it's not like you're going to turn down talented guys just based on what side of the plate they hit on too. And there were some things that happened, I think, outside of y'all's control that maybe limited uh, the right-handed option. So do you feel like that is maybe a, a little bit more balanced this year and then maybe there's some guys with some reverse splits where it's not as big a deal as people make it out to be? I don't know. What's kind of your take on that? Yeah, I mean, my, my take is it's going to matter. It's, it's going to – Again, going back to flexibility, right? It's nice to have that flexibility for when the situation presents itself. I, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, last year's, last year's team, there were some, you know, if you look on face value, left on left, uh, th- those matchups ha- happened a lot. And would you have liked to have maybe a right-handed hitter off the bench? Would, would, would Coach Gowan have liked to have it? Probably. Uh, you know, and, and so I think this, this coming year, we got a lot more flexibility. I don't think you're going to run into that. Um, at all, if we want to play a more right-handed lineup, we certainly can do that this year. And uh, if we want to, you know, continue to to uh, to to go every other and alternate throughout the lineup, I think coach can do that. If he wants to be left-handed heavy, he can do that, right? So again, I think you may see sometimes where, depending on how the game is evolving, you might be left-handed dominant to start the game, and you may finish, you know, with more righties in the lineup depending on how coach wants to go. So a lot more flexibility this year, uh, for sure. That's that's always going to be a, a positive thing. It doesn't mean last year's lineup uh, couldn't win on any given day, but at the same time, having that flexibility will, will be nice for coach, I'm sure. Do you feel like any of the recent MLB changes to speed up the game as far as pitch clock? And I believe what that that's going to be something that's implemented now. You got to have in the stadium this year as well in the college level. But do you think that'll trickle down to college? And is what one poster is asking? I feel like it already kind of is, but have you seen that at all? Yeah, it, it, it'll keep trickling down. I think you know it already has trickled down right with the time. I mean, I, I don't know the specific statistics mm-hmm. last year on game times, but I know they were down drastically. We actually had a couple guys stepped into the stadium the other day, knocked on the door, and, and came in, and I just kind of asked them what they were there for. They were you know you know implementing or put put in the new pitch clocks that we'll be able to see. You know, Clark Leclerc. So I told him I appreciate him. You know, get me home for dinner time right. a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit sooner. Yeah. So, but uh, but no, they they're, they're uh, those will be on the field this year. So uh, you know, I, I think speed. Of the game, it's it's uh, to me is is great for the fans. Um, I think that the pace is is moving quicker. I think it's it's better for the players. It's better for the fans. It's better for just the entirety of the game. And uh, I don't think it's as big of a thing in our game as much as it is with big leaguers. Just they play so many games that you know you want to continue to to uh, to have the fans. 
uh, immersed in what they're doing. But I, th- I thought last year the pace was really, really good, and I think you'll continue to see some of those trends trickle down into our game. ECU Jungle, I believe this is Pack the Jungle on Twitter, who I think he video records every single play over the course of a ECU baseball season. Yeah. He puts out all the highlights. Does a great job. <laughs> uh, he's got a few questions. Wants to know what are the top three things that you believe are important to the team culture, and how does ECU cultivate those? If you could signal three things or single out three things, what would you say there? Well, you know, I, I think it starts with recruiting. I mean, it, it's it's about the people, right? You know, it's about the people, and I think that's we we've been steadfast. So I tell every every recruit, there's three things that we want to bring into the program. You have to be obviously a talented baseball player that can help us win championships, and everybody's going to have a different role in, in terms of what they do to help you win championships. They're not all going to be, uh, you know, the Friday night starter and and uh, you know and, and the three hole hitter that plays shortstop. So at the end of the day, they you know that's that's the vision, right? That's that's what experiences as a coach. Is, is having gone through it and knowing what needs to happen and what you need on a roster, you know, in any given year in order to win at, at, at this level. And, um, you know, but you have to have those those qualities, those characteristics. You have to be a, 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 a player that's committed to your academics and willing to work at it. You know, Coach Godwin's going to hold them accountable on a daily basis and, if you don't show up to class, if you don't turn in an assignment, you know, if you don't, you know, sit in the front of the room and, and uh, you don't interact with your professors, uh, you're, you're going to miss practice. And, you know, if the kids can, uh, you know, show up and if they're not perfect, we may have a mishap here and there. But once they learn that coach is going to hold them accountable, we really don't have any issues from there. We don't have a lot of bumps, bumps in the road. So it, it's a lot easier for them if they're already committed to those academics and understand that they're going to be held accountable when they get here. And the third is that they're a good person. And we just try to figure that out, you know, through talking to coaches. You know, a lot of the players, especially players in North Carolina, have played against each other. or Maybe they're on a team. Maybe, you know, they play against somebody that we know. So just trying to figure out if those three things fit in the recruiting process. And then once they're here, Coach does a, a great job with continuing to cu- cultivate those things. And as we talked about before, as, as older players emerge and as leaders and start to, you know, Riley Johnson taking, uh, you know, taking Bristol Carter under his wing and showing him how to do things and, uh, you know, how we do things here. And, and a lot of those things are, are prompted by the coaches, right? We, we, we know, um, you know, who has those abilities as we see them emerge and we know how they can impact young guys. And, you know, in Coach Godwin's time here, that's that's uh, it's just been a staple. Those older guys helping those younger guys out, and when they become the older guys, it just trickles down. And as long as you continue to do that, um, you're, you're going to have a great culture as long as you hold them accountable. And that's that's the piece everybody throws around culture. Everybody talks about culture. Um, that's the buzzword. It's on everybody's door as they walk in. It's it's the thing, right? There's books about it here and there. Well, it's it's one thing to talk about it, but you got to live it. And, and to me, culture is developed most importantly from the top down as long as you hold them accountable. you got to set the standard, lay it out for them, be very clear with what the expectations are, and then if you hold them accountable on a daily basis, then that's going to continue to trickle down. And as the older guys buy into it and they hold the younger guys accountable, you'll continue to have that that funnel down throughout your throughout your program. It's not easy to hold them accountable every single day. That's the hard part because there's going to be tough conversations that need to be had. And uh, earlier on in our, our time period here, I'm, I'm sure Coach will tell you there were more of those happening. Now there's a little bit less. But you know, I think over time we continue to bring in the right kids, and it's not always perfect. But uh, once they're in our program and, and they're good kids, and you put them in the right environment, we're going to have a lot of success. And as I tell every family, every player, if we can get 40 guys in that locker room that are 
talented players that are committed to their academics and that are good good players, man, we're going to have success. I, I'm not going to name any names, but it was after a game one time, um, and I heard Cliff Godwin tell one of the players who was a freshman at the time, ended up becoming a very good player. He told him, if you make a C again, you're not traveling. So after <laughs> I heard right. that, I was like, all right, they're pretty serious about academics here at East Carolina. I think that shows, and that's part of holding guys accountable, too. Sure, you know? sure, absolutely. Um, all right, ECU Jungle, he's got an interesting one here for you, Coach. Who is the better athlete, Jeff or his brother Joe Palumbo, former middle infielder at Maryland? Say uh, so. So I have actually I have three brothers. Okay. All play Division One baseball. So oldest brother is the uh, the executive deputy AD now at Georgia Tech. Um, played at uh, at LaSalle. I was I was second. Played at Mason. Joe was third. Played at Maryland. And then actually my youngest brother Dan actually played for me uh, at George Mason. So I got a chance to coach him. But um, I think um, all all uh, all all four of us would tell you that I am I am the be- the best athlete <laughs> out, of, out of the four of us. I'm gonna tread lightly because Joe is uh, you know the high school coach at uh, right. at Spalding. So I, I do I do want to continue to have his players funnel this this, this way. So I'll tread I'll tread lightly and just you know keep it at, at me. That's a, hey, that's a fair answer. I mean, I would expect expect nothing uh-huh. else. Um, last thing here, we'll get a break in. Uh, he also wants to know when recruiting a player that may know not know a lot about ECU, like a guy maybe outside the area. What is the pitch from you guys as a coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we kind of kind of touched on a little bit of of the culture piece, but really, it's going to start with the tradition and the passion of this fan base. You, you know, to me, that's how you, how I try to get every recruit you know excited about east carolina if they don't already know those things and you know it doesn't you know send them clips of uh texas super regional baseball games or you know some of the better environments that we've had here and and just in numbers right you know attendance rec you know attendance records and attendance statistics from across the country and getting them you know different types of videos that we've put out you know over over time those are the things that try to try to highlight them and it's cool it's cool to see their reaction if they don't know a lot about it, um, you know, and, and wow, this is this is different. And, and having recruits get here to campus, also starting to see, well, because that's a little bigger and a l- little bit better than I anticipated, right? So, but but starting with the fan base and, and the passion and just the tradition that that go on here, because like I said before, they're they're different. It's different, and you know, I, I have not worked at LSU like like uh, Coach Godwin or Ole Miss, um, and obviously they, they have tremendous atmospheres as well. But just the the buy-in of our fan base, and as much as they're involved with our players day to day, especially now in a you know, time of NIL, well, they can be a little bit more hands-on and they can be um, a little bit more engaged with the guys. Um, you're starting to see. I just don't think there's many places out there like it. So it definitely starts with that, and then we'll build from there on how we're going to develop them as young men and, and baseball players and our track record for development and, and talking about our winning winning tradition and, and uh, how much success we've had over time because as we've talked about over our really last six seven years um, you know maybe Stanford but there really aren't, aren't many programs out there that have done it as consistently as we have Jeff Palumbo in studio with us it's gonna break in we'll come back we'll get into more of your questions and more on the other side this is hoisted colors on a Monday Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Arr, back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in to the studio here. Monday edition of Hoist the Colors here, 94.3 The Game. Um, Jeff Palumbo in studio, associate coach for ECU Baseball. Got a question on YouTube, Coach, I want to ask you because I'm 
kind of interested on this too. I'm a pretty big MLB guy. I'm an, unfortunately a Seattle Mariners fan, and uh, but hey, at least they didn't break the playoff drought a few years ago. Yeah. But uh, Michael wants to know: Are the advanced metrics on the success of bunting different at the college level than the MLB level? Obviously, you guys implement the bunt a lot. There are some pro teams that really don't do it at all. There are some that still sack bunt to this day, and obviously try to bunt for hits, but. I don't, do y'all analyze that sort of stuff, or is it more of a feel thing? Yeah, I don't know if quite analyze it comparing to, to, to Major League Baseball-wise. I, I think you you kind of utilize it to measure things within your program, right? So, you know, I know a big one for for, uh, for Coach Gowen is, is scoring first, right? And our, our record over time when we score first, and, and uh, if you can do that right in the first inning, where a lot of people will look up and say, well, we're sack bunting or we're safety, you know, giving up an out early on in the baseball game. But, you know, it, it, for, for Coach, it's more about how we manage the rest of the baseball game, right, than it is in that very moment of giving up an out. So I, I think it's more so, um, you know, the, the, the other difference is, right, ma- Major League Baseball, the, defen- the, the defenders are so talented that you're not getting, right, you know, getting balls that are thrown away. You're not getting, right, bunts for hits as often, right? It's just so much more difficult, right, to play that style of game. So I think that's where the college level and the Major League, you know, the MLB level are, are very, very different when it comes to that. And, uh, you know, it also, it's, it's, it's an interesting piece because, we do it so much. We do it so much in practice, and we're, we're doing it against ourselves so much in our inner squads that ultimately helps our team defense as well be able to, you know, be in those situations, be under pressure, having to handle the bunt. So, you know, I think that's why you look up and we've handled those situations really, really well over time, team defensively, uh, as 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 well as as being able to, to you know, offensively kind of dictate the pace and the style of game that coach wants to play. Pirate 2024 on Hoisted Colors wants to know, uh, do you have any updates on the competitions on the left side of the infield at this time, shortstop and third base? You know, how would you kind of assess those competitions? Of course, Barini coming back at, at shortstop. Yeah, you got Barini coming back. Obviously, Nate Chrisman uh, is taking a step, um, taking a big step as well. Really excited about Nate. Uh, just his his growth from from this time last year to where he is now. Um, yeah, I think Nate's done a, done a tremendous job and just knows our program and that's that's pretty common for for uh, for guys to come into our program be challenged pretty good that that fall of their freshman year and to see that growth over over the years his uh you know Nate's taken advantage of that time for sure so so he's really talented defensively can run had a little bit of a leg injury as as well throughout the fall so missed some time uh which I know was disappointing for him and us to kind of continue to see that progress but done some nice things you know with his swing swing adjustments um you know can handle the handle the bat so again another guy that creates a lot of flexibility um you know there at the shortstop position but Nate really is flexible and can play really, really uh, second, short, third. If you need to throw him in the outfield, play a lot of outfield as well uh, in travel baseball throughout high school. Just a really good high IQ baseball guy. It's a great athlete. So can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, uh, at, obviously at Nick Parm as well at shortstop. Same thing, battled some arm stuff in the fall. So trying to get him out there and, and just be more consistent with his work, uh, but but ultra talented as well at shortstop. But, you know, look, I think Joey had a great year for us. Um, very steady at shortstop and I think he'll just continue to build on that. So um, very excited about his year ahead as well. So we're, we're in a, a really good spot there at shortstop. And then on the third base side, I think you're – 
you know, got a couple different options. And Chaz Myers being a little bit limited um, out there defensively with with the uh, with the leg injuries, I thought hampered his his fall a little bit from the defensive side. But he played a lot of left side at Pacific. Uh, Dixon Dixon Williams had a tremendous fall. Quite honestly, probably one of the best falls on our on our team. Uh, just really emerged over the, the course of the fall. I thought he really hit hit a new level um, the last two to three weeks and, and played at the highest level he's played at you know in the program. So I think Dixon can go over there and play really high level third base as well. Colby Wallace, a freshman, saw some time over there. Um, really talented. I didn't kind of touch on him early on when he talked about some of the new guys, but another guy that just. Really uh, jumps off the page physically. Um, really, really uh, brings a physicality that most freshmen don't. Um, has some power in the bat. He's going to see some time on the mound. Probably will see some time maybe over at first base a little bit as well. So again, just kind of more flexibility. But those are the guys that have kind of been over there. Um, you know, I think you know that Joey's in a really, really good spot at shortstop. And and, and Nate, if something were to happen is prepared as well. And like I said, when you have talented freshman man, it's sometimes a big jump from fall to spring. So so we'll see. A lot of options over there and, and uh you know throughout our exit meetings is a pretty common theme that uh you know coaching staff's gonna have some tough decisions to make. I noticed in the fall Carter Cunningham got a lot more time at first. Of course he's played a really good, you know, right field in the past. How did that and he's worked there some in the past, but maybe kind of more uh more with you in the first or at first base in the fall. How do you think that went? Do you think that's a, a possibility for him as well, playing there more full time a little bit? Definitely, definitely. You know, it's it's uh, something we've kind of envisioned here a little bit. Him getting some opportunities over there at first base, and you know, w- with with the the talent that we have in the outfield, it it became kind of important to try to figure out, well, hey, how how can we get you know all of these guys on the field at the same time, you know, and and so you know with Carter, he had played some first base, played a little bit at his junior college, and we really Carter is just one of those guys in your program. You just he's one of the most trustworthy players in the program. Had done it. We got in some binds, threw him over there at, at times in the past, and uh, did, did a nice job without ever really being coached, without ever really working at it. And so, you know, I think he was a little bit, a uh, little bit passive uh, in, in, at the start of the fall. And, and he and I kind of had a conversation. I said, "Hey, man, I just need you to buy in for about four to six weeks, and I think you're going to see that you can be." extremely talented defensively over here. Um, I just really felt like with his IQ, with his athleticism, he would continue to pick up on those things uh, really, really well. And, and he's done a really nice job. He's come a long way in, in his four, five, six weeks of the fall. Um, you know, again, also battled a little bit of injuries, which kind of hampered us. But but uh, but he's he's uh, we, we spent a lot of time here over the last three, four weeks leading into, into the exam time, trying to refine some of those things, just get his, his footwork around the bag to where he can you know just trust it and, and react to what he's seeing and and um yeah i think you know three four more weeks of, of that he's going to be in a really good spot uh, another question from pirate 2024 he wants to know and we just kind of touched on there the depth of the outfield coach and and also catcher you know i know you are very high on you know mccrystal and even walker baron the, the freshman coming in he says you guys will have at least two solid options at dh and that doesn't include any other positions kind of between some of the depth there how do you manage having that many options at dh he had just a good problem to have. So when you and Cliff kind of sit down again, trying to figure out how do we get all these guys in or as many as possible, I'm sure that's you know part of the conversation. You know, it's interesting. I, it's it's. It, I think that people talk more about it than maybe we do at times, mm-hmm. right? It's it's more so on the front end when you're trying to envision a roster and you're trying to uh, put put uh, put these teams and put these pieces in place. Once you get into it, once you get into the fall, it's interesting because. 
I never would have thought this fall that we would have had a hard time in inner squads putting together two infields. But then with injuries, we did. Um, then we had more injuries at the back end of the fall. And, and, and thankfully, we're going to have everybody healthy to start out when we get into the preseason. But really, it's it's almost to the point where it's it's more about the individual development. It's more about figuring out where these pieces all fit together. And then you're going to kind of see. Right, because if one or two guys goes down, then ultimately it completely changes the dynamic. And uh, I, I do think this year we're in a better position to be able to, you know, sustain those over the course of kind of the the, the fourteen week regular season. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. But we do have options. Um, and as we've always seen, when Cliff puts together an opening day lineup. It is drastically different when it comes time to, to, to go into the postseason. So, and sometimes it's drastically different on the, on Tuesday against Campbell on February. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and that's part of it, right? And you're trying to figure out where the pieces are. But for us, we have, in my opinion, we have some great options in the outfield. You can, again, have some right handed hitters. You can be ultra defensive. You can be very offensive. Um, you know, you can, you can uh, start out a game very offensive and flip to very defensive if you, if you end up taking a lead early in the, in the middle part of the baseball game. So, you know, really, again, I think just that flexibility and being able to, uh, kind of combat some of those injuries if they do present themselves this year, be a little, little bit more right handed heavy if we wanted to be. Those are some things that, that'll be nice, but they Field's deep, the catching's deep, and uh, we have have some options really, really in all areas. It's just a matter of, of where we're at that day. All right, last question. We'll get a break in. Uh, he also wants to know, and again, we've talked about how good the atmosphere it is. Is at ECU? You're the first base coach, so you see it firsthand when other team or when fans are getting on opposing players. But he wants to know what can we do as fans to improve the atmosphere? Is his question. So, uh, do you have an answer there that they can make Clark Leclerc Stadium even better? Yeah, the, the the only thing that I would re- I would recommend is if you know you're, you're going to be uh, in the stands or you have tickets in the in, in the grandstand and you're not able to make it, trying trying to give those tickets up, you know, trying to to fill those I, I, at times. You know, in some of those midweek games or some of those different things, it's always always a challenge. And we play a lot of games, right, versus football and, and even basketball. We have more home home events, but that would be the only thing I said. I think we have literally the best fans in the country. Um, you know, and at times it's it's uh, especially out in the jungle. Now the student section, I feel like it's layers deep, which is incredible. And and uh, you know, again, that would just be a, a small thing. But if you know you can't make it out to a game, if you can try to try to give those tickets away or whatever we need to do to get them. Back so that some other fans can get into those seats. That would be, uh, you know, just make it an even better atmosphere for, for the guys. All right, he is Jeff Palumbo. We'll get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll hit as many of these questions as we can to close the show. This is Hoist the Colors on a Monday. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors. Uh, a few minutes left with Coach Jeff Palumbo. Been awesome to talk some baseball this December. We had Austin Knight in pitching coach last week. Jeff Palumbo in today. We'll have media day coming up in mid, mid-January. Coach, we'll go through, try to hit on as many of these as possible. Questions on Hoist the Colors. Um, we had a fan ask... Basically saying when ECU plays teams in the super regionals, it seems like they have a national recruiting footprint and ours is regional is what he's asking. What are the reasons, you know, maybe ECU doesn't have a larger footprint and uh, your take on, on that? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes down to, again, recruiting and, and putting, uh, you know, the best players in the situation to be successful here at East Carolina, it's part of it is getting to, getting to watch them play, right? And, and trying to, we're, we're pretty particular, as we talked about earlier, about the right fits here in our program and what it takes to, to, to fit well into the program. But the first one was they have to be talented enough to, to help us win championships. And sometimes it's just easier to see players that are, Right here in North Carolina, you know, and, and so you're trying to do your best to see these guys. I and mean, baseball's a little different, right? Than, than maybe evaluating, I don't do it, but maybe evaluating basketball or football players, right? It's, it's, it's a little more eye hand to the game. It's a little more feel, right? You got to see him play defense. You can't watch a guy play defense on tape, right? You can't watch their first steps on tape, right? So, you know, you have to watch these guys play. And sometimes you can go out and watch a player that's really talented and he can go over three with three strikeouts, right? And, and that doesn't mean he's a bad player. So the more you can see these guys the better and I think you know that's something we don't uh, take lightly and I think that's why you may see ours at least start right here in the state of North Carolina and try to start right here in eastern North Carolina right and, and work our way out which which we do you know we do we get a lot of Pennsylvania right Chaz is from from California, Starlings from Florida, you know, freshman catcher from Georgia. So we're, we're, we're starting to get out and about a little bit, a little bit more when it comes to that. But that's a lot of it is through relationships and that we've developed here over time and, and being pretty trusting of those. Uh, Jonathan Wagner helps us out on our Hoisted Colors baseball podcast. He says defense was up and down at times in the outfield last season. How do you feel about that area heading into this year and how many guys could we see real time out there? In the outfield, I'm guessing a lot. Yeah, I mean, I re- really you could look up there and you could probably have five, six guys out. You know, five uh, especially, but you know, you had Ian Carter that's got the ability to go out there as well and, and, and see six that could go out there and play. I think Luke Nowak's made a huge jump defensively, so really excited. And, and Luke's from Wisconsin, so you're talking about a, a player who really, in in his uh, baseball lifetime, you know, the amount of fly balls that he took in Wisconsin, um, how, how drastically different that is than maybe a player that grew up here in North Carolina, Georgia. Florida, et cetera. So, you know, I, I think his his development and, and his jump that he's made going out and playing some summer baseball has been huge for him. So really excited to see him out there defensively. Had a great fall defensively. Riley Johnson's one of the best defensive players in the country at any point in time when he's back healthy. He can go out there in center field and, again, really help Bristol Carter come on, cover a ton of ground out there. And so you, you talk about those guys, uh, you know, at any point in time, heck, they may be all, all they're out there together. So that's a lot of ground you're covering. And, and obviously, J.C out there and, and, and hopefully will continue to make jumps in, throughout his career. So I feel like we can go out there and, and again, be, be very offensive lineup in the outfield. It could be very defensive. You could do both. So um, so excited to continue to see those guys, but, but there's been progress made for sure. What is Jeff Palumbo's favorite uniform combination? Ooh, tough one. Mm. I, 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 well, usually, uh, my favorite combo is going to be the gold on Sunday with a camo hat because that's that means same. we're going for, we're going for the sweep. So, <laughs> that's, awesome so nice that, that, well. that's, that's going to be the combo that we're going for. But I'm a big fan of the gold. Uh, I really love our colors. I love yeah. everything about them. I wasn't a huge fan of the, uh, the, the, uh, the pinstripe initially. We got a new version, which I really, really enjoy. So, um, you know, all, all, all those. I know the powder, the powder, uh, powder purples are, uh, very Hit or miss, yeah. depending on what you, what, you, what you like. So I like some of the others that are a little bit more traditional. Uh, about 50 seconds left. We were talking about this a little off the air. Uh, Jonathan wants to know, thoughts on turf, baseball being played on turf versus natural grass, like Clark, Clark Leclerc. Yeah, I'm a big uh, baseball natural grass guy. Yeah. You, you know, obviously a lot of the teams in our conference have gone turf, but uh, but huge fan. Joey Perry and staff do an incredible job with our surface, and 
really it's one of the premier ones in the country in terms to, uh, of playing on the, the dirt is big league and, and we do a lot of trying to maintain that as well for the guys so it's a really good surface but just a big big fan of the game being played on natural surface our guys do a great job of it and uh, and as we were talking about I feel like that gives us a leg up on some of the other teams it's much easier to go to turf if you play it on natural than it is vice versa so a little bit of home field advantage for us and it's a beautiful surface and uh, to be able to keep that keep that rolling with the best fan fan base in the country is uh, good good by me all right coach we appreciate it man only about two months away from open day it'll can't be wait you Count, know countdown is on look Absolutely. forward to seeing everybody out thanks again for the time coach. appreciate we'll it see you next time thanks Stephen. all right philip appreciate you producing today thanks again to jeff palumbo we'll be back tomorrow 12 noon bobby harward will join us in the studio we'll have a little signing day preview with signing day coming up on wednesday for football We'll also talk about the transfer news. Caden Hauser joining the program at quarterback and more. This has been Hoist the Colors. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.